Hello, everyone. I'm Alan Potcotter, and you're listening to Call Talk for October 14th, 2020. Today's topic is CX plus EX equals success. If you're listening live, we invite you to be part of the show and ask questions. Here's how you do it. You can email me at calltalk at benchmarkportal.com. I want to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and can be available to listen to any time of the day at benchmarkportal.com. Now, with that, I would like to introduce the host of the show, Bruce Belfiore. Thank you, Alan, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Well, as Giovanni Agnelli, the former chairman of Fiat, now Fiat Chrysler, once said, the problem isn't data. The problem is what the data mean and how to make the data actionable. Uh, for us in our industry, nothing is more important than gathering reliable data on the customer experience and then using that data to help our teams succeed. And uh, there's a couple of components to this. In fact, there's a lot of components to this, really interesting, juicy stuff, uh, including uh, the customer experience plus the employee experience that add up to success. And to help to explore this more, we've invited Bob Kobeck back to our program so that he can talk to us about his thoughts uh, in this area. Bob, welcome back to the program. Hey, Bruce. This is great. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this. Okay, good. Well, we always have a good time. Uh, yeah, Bob, we do. just to, to uh, give you a little bit of an introduction for our audience, uh, Bob specializes in the design, implementation, and marketing of products and services and has designed or managed more than 200 outbound telemarketing, inbound customer service, and order processing operations, and interactive information systems. So a lot of experience there. In 2007, Bob and Mobius, uh, his company, launched Customer Count, which is a cloud-based survey solution that provides intuitive, real-time reporting, fast turnaround on updates, and detailed data gathering for process improvement and customer loyalty. Uh, and uh, he's, this is all really designed specifically for the leisure travel industry. Bob was a board member of the uh, PACE Association and served as chairman of its Government Affairs Committee. Uh, he's a member of the American Resort Development Association and sits on various of their committees. He's also a member of the Indiana Technical and Technology and Innovation Association, uh, based there in Indianapolis, where he is. And he is uh, a, an affiliate of the Purdue University Computer Department. And as uh, I think a lot of you know in our audience, uh, we got our beginnings at Purdue University, so we have uh, very, very strong ties to that whole area. Uh, Bob attended Holy Cross College at Notre Dame, Indiana and Indiana University concentrating in political science and business. So uh, great background. We're really happy to have you on uh, board. And why don't we just start by talking about measuring the customer experience through the voice of the customer. And we'll just take it from there, Bob. Well, I, Bruce, let me, I, I mean, I know I'm not supposed to do commercials, but indulge me for just a second. First of all, thanks for that introduction. Uh, it was kinder than I'm sure I deserve. But I, I, I've got to really, you know, kind of raise a glass to Benchmark Portal, 25 years in business. And I remember Benchmark Portal very, very well when it was at Purdue University and the many services that it provided. In fact, there were a couple times in the early days when I competed with Benchmark Portal. So congratulations to you guys and, and particularly to you, Bruce, for, for the growth, uh, the intelligence that you helped put to our industry. So I guess that's as 
much of a commercial as I as I can <laughs> give, right? I mean, I, 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 I'm I, blushing. I, I'm blushing here, Bob. Thank you very much. For, yeah, okay. I can see you blushing. I really, yeah, sure I can. Well, that you know, kind of no, let thank, me sort of uh, go ahead. No, no, thank you for that. And actually. Uh, we've been very fortunate over the years, and one of the things that we've always done to give back to the industry is uh, Call Talk, which has been going, as you know, since uh, 2009. And uh, so we really appreciate the listenership uh, here and uh, all the great shows that we've done. So, uh, and it's been because of people like you who agreed to uh, share your expertise and uh, the things that you know about with our audience. So we really appreciate I- that. I have never, ever, ever hesitated, not even for a minute, to refer my clients to you guys. It, I mean, it, it uh, you know, as a consultant, the one thing you've got to be careful of when you refer business to somebody else is that, you know, the first rule is don't embarrass me. And uh, <laughs> I, have, I, have no, I have no issue with Benchmark Portal. You've always, you've always treated me and my clients with respect and dignity. And, and your intellectual property, just like, as you pointed out, this show alone, you know, it goes – it goes a long way towards the outreach to people in our in our industry, and it, it, because it is getting more and more complicated with the employee um, going remote, moving to remote, and the yes. ability to measure how they're doing with their remote uh, in their remote jobs. And speaking of jobs, I mean, it was Steve Jobs that said you got to start with the customer experience and work back right. toward the technology, not the other way around. And you say a lot of things about Steve Jobs, but one thing he was is a visionary, and he said that a long time ago, and it holds true today. In fact, one of the things that I found, Bruce, and, you know, this is maybe a little bit, I don't know, controversial is the right word, but but I think that I don't think many things have changed in the contact center industry other than the fact that the technology has really sped up um, the needs, the requirements, the customer experience the measurement of the employee experience and and what might be creating the difference or causing the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, people are people, and they still like to be treated, uh, you know, the best way possible and treated as individuals wherever possible. And so so tell us about, you know, how this is a good segue right into sort of measuring the customer experience through the voice of the customer and, and how this can all Uh, fit into what we were talking about with the title of this show, which is customer experience plus employee experience equals success for your company and your team. Start with the customer itself and, and, you know, some of the reasons why uh, why the the customer experience and measuring the voice of the customer is particularly important and and the different types of of measurements, uh, which is probably the easiest place to start. there's the there's the IVR um, press one press two press three after this call if you'd like to take a short survey. Um, there's also the uh, we're gonna we're gonna text you an invitation to take answer three questions. There's the online email survey, which can you know I mean you can ask a, a lot of questions in that one without creating too much survey fatigue. So there are a lot of different ways to measure which also then means that you've got to be very, very careful about what you measure. You, there, there are so many times when companies will ask so what questions. They'll ask a question, they'll get the answer, but they have no idea what to do with that answer. And yes. so rather than, rather than taking up space, which is what that does, it is wasting space, you might as well ask the questions that are germane. 
Mm-hmm. Eight questions yeah, are better say, than ten. Yeah, yeah. No, I always say uh, it's always uh, spring cleaning is always a good thing to apply to uh, surveys and to uh, operations. So uh, always a good idea to review things and make sure that they're because some things that were relevant aren't relevant to you anymore. And as you mentioned, with more and more companies going uh, virtual, there may be some other things that they should be testing for, they should be looking for. Well, yeah, but I mean, if one, I mean, there, there, there are some recent phenomenons that have helped us um, make that make that measurement relevant to the employee, because you run the risk of being totally irrelevant to an employee when you ask them how they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of one of those questions that in a in a smart call center, if you get caught asking how you're doing to the consumer, you, you know, you could get the back of your chair kicked because mm-hmm. they'll tell you. You know, and which which sucks up that very valuable uh, that very valuable time while your agents are on the phone. The same is true if you're going to measure your employee experience on the other end uh, by asking them so what questions. So some of the things that are going on that you can use that data for today is if you have a gamification platform. Typically, mm-hmm. we will we will reward based on the average speed of answer or the Average resolution uh, call, call you know, first call, second call, third call, uh, and so all of those metrics that we use to measure are coming out of the call center technology itself. It's coming out of the five nine, the noble, the the the, the i three. Well, but i three, that's kind of an antiquated. Uh, <laughs> out of the, out of, sorry about that. Out of the Genesis. Um, sorry to all my Genesis friends. Didn't mean it. But and so you know and so then if you were to add for instance a voice of the customer score into that maybe like a customer effort score mm-hmm. how you know how easy or hard was it to do business with us and so if somebody is working and they've got a great call to answer but they've got a low customer effort score do they really need to be rewarded or mm-hmm. can they be called to their attention so they know that they have something that they can focus in on right. Right. Okay. Well, and if I could just go back for a second to the customer experience part and collecting the data on that, the uh, you've got something called um, enterprise uh, f- uh, feedback, and so the the ways that uh, we can do this are through the surveys that you were talking about. So those are post call surveys. Uh, those are uh, the other ways that 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 you suggest people can. Uh, collect this information. I know some basically rely on their QA staff to rate the calls in terms of uh, the quality of the call and use it not only for purposes of, uh, you know, coaching, but also for this purpose. Um, and there, there's, there's other people who do it other ways. What, what, what is your feeling in terms of the best way to do it, particularly in a time of survey fatigue where it's getting harder and harder to get people to uh, answer surveys. Well, there are two questions there. Um, I'll start with the second one first, um, and that is that it's getting harder and harder for people, for, for, for you know, to, to get people to take surveys. The fatigue part. The reason that people will take a survey, there, you know, there are a couple of good reasons, but the biggest reason is, is do they have an affinity? Did they buy mm-hmm. something from you? Did they, mm-hmm. you know, are they existing customers? Are they? You know, members of your loyalty program. Do they have points? Are they, you know, what was the what was the purpose of the call? And your CRM can tell you an awful lot of that. That you, you, if you're if you're managing your CRM the right way, 
and you're pulling the right data, then you're going to send the surveys to the people that matter the most and not just everybody. Um, that question about how much data is enough is I, I've got the easiest answer in the world for that, one more than I have right now. And so I'm always <laughs> going to want to make sure that I'm not, I'm not getting too sophisticated uh, when I decide who I'm going to send it to, but I want to be very sophisticated in how I segment it. So mm -hmm. let's take the case of, of vacation ownership and timeshare, for instance. Um, mm -hmm. I've got owners, and I have guests, and I have exchangers, and I have different segments. And so when I am doing a survey, I want to make sure that when I get my reports back, I can say, okay, my owners feel this way, my guests feel this way, um, and, and then look for the consistencies. Right. And, you know, I think about uh, the general uh, approach to surveying, which is if you have a random sample of whatever your, you know, market is, and you're able to get, uh, uh, I think it's 384 responses on a statistical basis. You have 90% plus or minus 5%. And uh, this is considered pretty good. It's not good for, you know, political campaigns in the last few days <laughs> of an election, but for purposes of, um, uh, you know, commercial use, that's considered to be a gold standard. Um, and it's not always possible to get that much, particularly if you're getting into your segments. Uh, but do you have any thoughts on, on that in terms of uh, what managers should consider reliable, uh, you know, feedback in terms of statistical sample? Um, uh, uh, can I give you the lawyer answer? It depends. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it depends. It depends. I mean, it, yeah, no, well, it depends. Right. Um, right. um, yeah. um, that out I mean, first. It, well, okay. We we we. Uh, if you've got a if you have a database of thirty thousand owners or existing customers, we'll say thirty thousand mm -hmm. existing customers, and you want to do a customer satisfaction survey, which is different than feedback. I want to do a survey. I want to find out you know get a general idea of what their of what their uh, uh, satisfaction levels are and why. You know, and I can ask a net promoter score question in that one too. By the way. Um, and and if when, when I when I deploy that survey, if those are existing customers, I can expect about a 20% response rate. Knock on wood, but you know that's a nice response rate. We I've seen surveys as high as 40. Um, uh -huh. And keeping in mind too that the difference between an online survey and a phone survey, we'll say, and this is proven out to be true, especially in the political polling, Bruce is online is more accurate than phone. People won't necessarily tell you the truth when you're on the phone. They may not want to admit that they're voting for this person over that person, which is part of the problem with the uh with like the HCAP surveys and you know to for Medicare scores mm -hmm. versus the online where people tend to be brutally honest. Mm -hmm. And and they and they're not going to be honest to the point where they're just going to complain because you're going to hang them with a new rope, they're going to more likely than not tell you the truth mm. because they're not having to embarrass themselves in front of somebody. If I can just mention this to our audience, because it wasn't part of your introduction, uh, because you've done so much in your life, we just left it off, but uh, Bob worked uh, in government on Capitol Hill as part of his career. And the reason I mention this, Bob, is because what you just said about the reliability of different forms of um, 
you know, polling, uh, different forms of feedback is important uh, because I think that the experience that you had as a political operative gave you some insights into human nature when it comes to answering these things that a lot of people in our industry don't have. And so I think it gives you a, a critical eye that's really uh, something that you know, when you share it with us, it, it's, it's valuable. So can you say a couple more words on that before we go on to the next topic? Sure. you got to know, you better know how to ask a question in a political mm-hmm. poll. And you also need to realize that when you ask that question, you need to know how to ask that question in a different way. You, you know, political polls, if they're smart, they're asking the same question at least twice. Mm-hmm. And because, because I'm looking for that anomaly, um, because there's always an anomaly somewhere. And that's why when you see that plus or three, plus three, plus five, um, that, you know, that, that's actually, when, when you see a plus or minus 3% accuracy, that's pretty close. I mean, that's getting yeah. right down to the, you know. But the other issue is when you're doing phone polls in, in, in politics, if, if you've noticed over the, over the years, there's a real tendency to under-poll you can never over poll, but you can always under poll. And when you're starting to poll people in rural neighborhoods, um, uh, starting to poll uh, people that are lower income, um, and particularly in maybe certain neighborhoods, certain congressional districts, you run the risk of under polling significantly. And it happens time after time mm-hmm. after time. Some of those people, mm-hmm. believe it or not, don't have phones, cell phones mm-hmm. or otherwise. So right. under polling is a real is a real concern, which is why when you're polling for your, when you're effectively researching your customers and you're talking to your customers, if they're a B2C customer, you, you, you don't want to be that discriminating. You want to make sure you can segment that data, but send as many invitations as you can. Hey, I think that's so important. So uh, I hope everybody heard that, you know, that you need to take a critical eye toward what you're doing in terms of uh, your your feedback mechanisms, your polling, your your survey mechanisms, uh, to you know make sure that you're getting what it is that you need from the segments that are going to be important to you in terms of making your marketing uh, and your you know resource allocation decisions with regard to customer service and other things like that. Um, so. Can you tell us more about enterprise feedback uh, management, EFM? That was one of the things that we uh, told our audience that we would talk about. And uh, just talk to us about that. I mean, obviously, we already have uh, the components, talked about uh, some of the components, but uh, sort of bring it together for us in terms of a conceptual framework. Enterprise feedback management means that if you're going to gonna put together a survey, first of all, let's define feedback versus survey. Uh, survey is a good snapshot. Feedback is continuous. So I'm going to be I'm going to be uh, um, uh, p- pushing surveys out every day. Every phone call gets a survey, which you know, uh, which is a little different than what that QA department can do in your call center. They have to be sort of arbitrary when they're when they're deciding which phone calls to listen to. In the case of feedback, you're 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 throwing it out there to every phone call that comes in. And you're doing it consistently, and you're doing it daily, so that you can look for trends, you can spot opportunities for immediate improvement, and by immediate, like within the hour. Um, mm-hmm. Then, when you add the word enterprise into that, it means that you're inviting all of your stakeholders to participate, and if not fashioning the questions, then determining the reports, and and so that 
um, I can share. Let me share an anecdotal story with you. In in in, uh, in one of our clients was doing surveys and noticed that their net promoter score was really suffering. When they drilled down on the net promoter score, they found out that they were getting dinged because their countertop appliances were no good. They were junk. So what they did was they replaced them with uh, KitchenAid. And so they really upgraded, you know, that particular part of their unit, which had a positive impact on their net promoter score. So that vice president of operations was having drinks with the vice president of sales one day and pointed out that, boy, it really made a difference in our in our net promoter score. So the vice president of sales took that into the sales room and said, when you're showing people our units, be sure you point out KitchenAid. And it had a positive impact on their sales. So that's a good example, anecdotal story, true story, about, about why surveys should be anecdotal. There's a relationship between everything you do inside your company. Um, I, I, I don't even think about liking to work for call centers that are viewed as a cost center rather than a profit center. And so when you're measuring the customer experience and the employee experience, you should be looking at it as a way to improve your profits. And the best way to do that is to make it an enterprise-wide survey. Mm-hmm. Include everybody. Include marketing, include sales, include operations, include the C-suite. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a great idea. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I uh, was at one of the conferences and someone was talking about uh, surveys and that they had gotten a survey from their Volvo dealership. And uh, it said at the beginning, right at the top, it said, if you're not, uh, you know, giving us the highest marks, please stop this survey and give us a call. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 what, 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 they've, what the car automobile industry, particularly dealers, have done is they have really managed to damage uh, a really brilliant uh, measurement called the Customer Service Index, the CSI. And 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 there have been there have been call centers that have told people, look, you're going to get a survey after we hang up. You're going to get it via email. So I'd appreciate it if you give me good scores. Um, if if you have enough data, believe me, those things start to stick out. When an average, you know, if an average call center agent is on the phone, uh, or any any channel for that matter, you know, in the omni-channel world, and you see this this one matrix that sticks out that says, oh, they were super friendly and everything else is bad. It's like, okay, they're prompting. So if you pay attention to your reports, you can see where prompts are happening. That CSI yeah, thing, yeah, that's a, that's a, they've really bastardized that one. It's important to have the kind of experience that you have, sort of the conceptual clarity on what should be done and then the professional standards on how to carry them out. And then the, um, I won't call it a jaded eye, but that's an experienced eye on the data that comes in so that you can actually uh, do a good job in terms of interpreting that data, right, just like Giovanni Agnelli said, being able to understand what it means because it can be incredibly helpful to you. I mean, we've seen situations in which uh, centers that are really hurting by using the kinds of um, techniques that you're talking about can really do great things for their enterprises and for their people. But you have to have that level of uh, professionalism brought to the table. So the kind of thing that I, you've I been I tell you, Bruce, I, I, know some, I know some call center managers, 
and mo- and I will say that most most good call center most call center managers that I know of uh, can spot a report and and find anomalies within 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I you know I can look at a report and say, wait a minute, this person has a really short average call length, but they got a real high closing rate. What's going on here compared to the yeah. rest of the group? And there are times when, believe it or not, I've had to fire my top producer because. They, you know, they're doing things that just aren't right, and the reason you got to fire them is because those bad, bad news can, bad habits spread in a call center really fast. So mm-hmm. good call center managers know how to look at reports, and and they can't really get enough of them. Right, right. Uh, sometimes you have to make those painful decisions. So um, yeah. Now before we get into the uh, making every answer actionable, because I want to hear uh, a little bit more from you on that, let's just talk for uh, uh, another second about employee experience, so the EX part of your, you know, uh, CX plus EX equals success. Um, and, you know, you mentioned, you know, all parts of the enterprise, et cetera. Let's focus for a second on the frontline uh, people in terms of employee experience and how best to measure their experience and, and uh, sort of do something about that? Well, there's a, there are, are several elements to that. The two most prominent are the information that's coming from your call center technology, mm-hmm. and that call center technology can be highly sophisticated or not. It can be uh, integrated, you know. I mean, you, there, there are some really cool stuff out there today for call center technology from a reporting standpoint. But what happens uh, from time to time is that we know that a call center agent will never lie. Now, that doesn't mean they're telling the truth. So when they disposition, <laughs> when they disposition a call, I kind of want to, you know, I want to make sure that the way they're dispositioning calls are accurate. So if I'm asking then, if I reach back out to my agents, um, and again, keep keeping in mind that, we're living in an omni-channel world, and they're remote. So I want to find out. I want to take their temperature. How you doing? But also, I want to find out how do you feel about the way you're treating people on the phone? Are you doing it with integrity? Do you have the knowledge you need? All those, all those uh, key performance indicators that you would measure, and then compare those key performance indicators to what the customers are actually saying, and you'll find there's a gap. And and then if you look the right way, you find what is causing that gap. What's the difference between what your agent is feeling and what your customer is feeling or thinking? Um, I kind of like to go with the feeling instead of thinking because I don't know that people are great thinkers. I know I'm not a great thinker, but I know I can feel. And and so um, so I, I, I'm, I'm looking for that gap. And it's almost like a gap analysis, um, and it's very, very measurable. And again, in the, in the omni-channel world, uh, that, that is true with email transactions. It's true with, I mean, you name it. And the more remote, the more important that that uh, employee experience measurement becomes. Mhm. Mhm. Okay. Uh, that, that's a uh, great input there. So we're sort of getting toward the end of our half hour here. So let let's talk about how to ensure every answer is actionable. If you could give us your your thoughts and your insights on that, that would be great. The answer to that question is in the question itself. Don't ask uh-huh. it if you can't do anything about it. Yeah. it, it yeah. It's just, you know, eight questions are better than ten. Five questions are better than eight. 
Um, and, and so it, to, for it to be actionable, you have to ask the question. And, you know, that question, if it's something that there, you have no control over, you know, why bother? Uh, unless you want to prove a point to the suits upstairs that, hey, if I had, if I had these pots and pans, I could do a better job. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, other than that, there's no other reason. There's no re- real reason to ask it unless you can fix it. Most of the questions that are going to be asked can be used as immediate training opportunities. Mm-hmm. By immediate, yeah. I mean, you know, as soon as, a, as soon as a customer clicks submit, um, you, you, can, you can pull reports uh, in, a, in a good survey system with a good, with a good feedback system. Right. Yeah, I think the uh, things that you're talking about, I mean, uh, as I mentioned to you uh, earlier, I think that it's always a good idea to do spring cleaning on surveys and operations in general. And uh, in some cases, you may be asking questions that no longer are relevant, and those should be dropped. Because one of the things we all know is that the longer a survey is, the more probability somebody is going to drop. So uh, if you have a you know 15 or 20 question survey, there's a lot of people who aren't going to finish it. If you have a five-question survey, ten-question survey, or eight-question survey, even better, um, they probably will finish it. And you want to finish Amber, surveys that you can. Yeah. And, and, that, and that's true no matter what the vehicle. That's true with the yeah. IVR, online, phone, doesn't matter. That's yeah. What you just said is true regardless of the vehicle. Yeah. Yeah, no, people have short attention spans, that's for sure. So yeah, understanding the uh, everybody, but everybody but you and me. <laughs> <laughs> but but your your thought, what you said about control. In other words, if you can do nothing about it, uh, then why are you asking? Unless it's for some part, other part of the enterprise, where you need to prove a point. Uh, but you, as a somebody who puts together surveys, et cetera, you need to resist. The uh, you know banging on the door from people in marketing, from people here, from people there, et cetera, et cetera, who say, oh, you know what? I'd like to add this onto your questionnaire. No, uh, maybe you have to say no in some of those cases because uh, it may be the kind of thing that it has nothing to do with it, and it's going to gum up your questionnaire to the point where you're not going to get the kind of results that you need. So I uh, think that's that a real and point. that and that and where questions get placed. Um, you know, asking a asking a you know net promoter score at the wrong spot in your uh, in your uh, in your survey can cause that net promoter score to not even get answered. So mm-hmm. placement type uh, type of question, you know, is it dichotomous? Is it is it uh, true false? Is it a ranking? Is it radio buttons scaled questions? Mm-hmm. All of those go in. That's why you know designing a survey is part art, part science, and it really is. Right. And uh, if you want to have consistency over time, that order that you're talking about is important. And so really think about it. Uh, Because if you change the order that you ask things in, then uh, that could also have an impact on the way people answer it. So really good point. Bob, I'm afraid we've uh, run out of time here, but this has been great. I really appreciate your insights. Uh, It's been uh, really, really good. Do you have any final thoughts before we hand things over to Alan? Yeah, just yay to Benchmark Portal. Keep up the good work. I mean, you you <laughs> really do provide a valuable service to the industry, and it, you know, I mean, it just keep it. I mean, just the, the word benchmark alone 
is near and dear to the heart of anybody that's working in in uh, voice of the customer and, and voice of the employee. Benchmarking well, is critical, and benchmarking is critical in what we do. So you're always close to my heart, buddy. Well, thank you very much, and yours to ours as well. So I uh, really appreciate all the things that you do, and um, thank you so much for your time today and your insights. Uh, very, very valuable. And with that, we'll hand to vote. things over to – what's that? Don't forget to vote. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, and those of you who are listening to this, uh, you know, maybe a year or two from now, uh, who've gotten it off of our website, uh, yeah, right now it's uh, October – 2020. So, over to Alan. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Bob. Thanks again to Bob Kobeck and Bruce Belfiore for your insightful discussion on today's show. We hope you can join us next month for another great show or look at our huge selection of archive shows on Hot Topics at BenchmarkPortal.com. Then click on Call Talk where you'll find over 11 seasons from all of us at Benchmark Portal. Keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. Stay safe, stay healthy. Alan Paul Cutter, signing out.